0: Hello and welcome to Las Blancas podcast. I'm your host Yash Thakur, and today, once again, I'm joined by Kanita to discuss Real Madrid's Copa de la Reina game against Fundacion Albacete. So, we'll get into that. Uh, we'll discuss the lineups, we'll discuss the tactics that went into it, and we'll discuss everything surrounding the quote unquote drama surrounding Copa de la Reina at the moment. But before we get into all of that, how are you doing, Kanita?
1: Oh, yeah, I am doing very well. And Copa de la Arena is slowly becoming my favorite competition if it wasn't already. So, yeah, uh, very happy.
0: We will add the necessary context around that statement towards the end of the pod once we have completed our discussion of the game at hand. And if you're listening to this podcast, I think you already know the result. Real Madrid came away winners comfortably and we won six goals to nil with Rocio scoring a brace we had some very good performances from individual players there were some issues as well and there were some questions as well with with the late on subs and we'll get into all of that so I think let's just begin by going through the lineups like we usually do so it was a 4-2-3-1, the formation that has been our go-to uh, in every single game, possibly this season, apart from the few where we experimented with a back three. But 4 3 one seems to be our mainstay formation and that was the case here as well. There was rotation, obviously, and one would expect rotation as well, given We are going to be playing many more games in the coming days with not much break and we need to manage our squad uh, well because there are players on the bench that deserve to be getting more minutes and to get those players up to speed, to get those players up to uh, match ready is pretty important going moving forwards in the season into the second half of the season where stuff will be decided, where trophies will be decided, where champions league qualification places will be decided for next season so it's it's the business end of the season like people say this is the business half of the season now and it's important to have all your squad ready to perform at any given point maybe it's it's due to an injury or you need you need game changes of the bench so rotation was expected in this game and there was some rotation so i'll quickly go through the lineup uh, as I said, it was a 4-2-3-1 with Melin starting in goal. It was Lucia at right back. Ivana and Rocio was the centre back pairing that we went with. Olga was back into the starting lineup at left back. Freya and Tere formed the double pivot this time. And in front of them it was Atenea, Maite and Moller was starting on the left wing and up front it was led by Naikari. So if you look at the lineup, just by looking at the lineup, you see a couple of names that aren't mainstay in the in the starting lineup. So Moller isn't a starter in, in the league and hasn't been a starter for us this season. So Moller was starting, Freya came into the fray as well. Olga, after being uh, not being in the starting lineup last game, was back at left back. Ivana was incorporated. Meline was incorporated. Lucia was incorporated at right back. And Naikari was leading the line. Naikari has been coming of the has been one of our main substitutions. Our go to substitutions a lot of times. But she has always come off in the final 10 minutes or the final 20 minutes but this time she was starting the game and that was about it like i did not have many complaints about about the lineup because uh, rotation was expected obviously starting athenea i think the thinking behind that because athenea is returning from an injury right last game as well her minutes were managed I think the reason she was starting here was because we wanted to put the game to bed before we rest all of our key players, I think, because Esther wasn't here, Veer wasn't starting, uh, Kathleen uh, and Rosio is our go-to pair, they weren't starting, um, I mean Kathleen wasn't, one half of it. it wasn't starting, Misa wasn't starting and Zorunosa was also on the bench, uh, so, I wasn't really, like, I did not have many problems with the lineup. I expected this. I was hoping for a rotated lineup. So, yeah, no real questions in terms of, in terms of, like, how, how it will pan out on the pitch. I obviously expected a bit of rustiness in the opening few minutes because these players are not used to playing with each other week in, week out. So, it will take a bit of time to have that sort of synergy, to have, To understand each other's movement uh, on the pitch but at the same time i was aware that maybe our technical level maybe our physical and technical preparations might be a level or two above uh, alba setes so it should be a straightforward game for us and i think that is how it panned out apart like after the first goal at least until the first goal there were some key interesting uh, stuff that we'll get into but before going into all of that i would like to hand it over to you Kanita, and take your thoughts on what were your initial impressions looking at the lineup
1: yeah i mean as uh, everyone would expect that uh there would be rotations and uh indeed like in the entire uh starting lineup was pretty much rotated <laughs> uh only like except for rocio and um atenea maybe we can add my town that but not very often so i mean yeah basically full rotation and that was expected however i did have um i did have a reaction on the first uh on the first time i saw the lineup and it's like exactly that that they don't they that they wouldn't know how to connect like i expected uh, absolute chaos uh and i expected it for a long time and i um, even said it, like, this team is not going to connect at all, maybe two or three players will know uh, how to play between each other and the other maybe, I don't know, um, I said like Akteneya and Dolga would probably do crosses inside and yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, it was a pretty easy thing to predict, I mean, you already mentioned that it was uh, like it until the first goal and then Uh, stuff kind of turned around after it so yeah pretty easy to predict honestly and yeah i also have to mention by the way spoiler alert that i'm really happy that naikari got 90 minutes to play this game this is the first time since like 2021 uh she played the 90 minutes so yay (laughs) finally and yeah i just that's it take it over
0: yeah we're talking about 2021 as if it was like three years ago or something. But yeah, I get the point. I I get the point that Naikari hasn't been a starter and hasn't been getting regular first team minutes, first team starts rather, despite her performances whenever she has gotten time on the pitch. But yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into her performance as well uh but yeah before that uh alba Sete were in a three four one two sort of formation and it was very interesting the way they approached the game and how it affected our how it affected our build-up how their setup on the goal kicks uh affected us how they were able to like create initial chances in the opening 40 minutes of the game it, it was pretty interesting so uh the 3-4-1-2. I mean okay, let's let's get into the opening first minutes and then I'll get into how Albacete were playing on goal kicks and how they were uh actually trying to press us high and try to cause turnovers. So opening few minutes in the first minute itself, Atenea goes on a run and immediately we can see a few things that would be the general overall theme of the game I feel we see the disparity in the technical level that we were we briefly touched upon because Athena had space on her hand in the first minute she was able to run at the defense and she was able to get into the final third pretty easily then in the ninth minute, we have our first shot, which is which comes from a similar sort of situation with Athena picking up the ball on the right, carrying it forwards a little bit, and then taking the shot from from a very tight angle, which was saved, and it went out for uh, for for a corner. So, in the opening first five ten minutes, we could see that an overall general trend was developing where Albacete were doing some very good stuff but there was also whenever one of our players would get on the ball there was a clear disparity in in the technical level uh, like moler, moler when she uh, when she get on, when she got on the ball in the 10th minute i feel uh, she she was able to display her uh, skillful nature on the ball which we haven't been able to see a lot but we know that she is Uh, technically skilled uh, on the ball she she can beat a player in 1v1 situations based off her uh, skills so we saw a couple of shoulder drops we we saw a couple of those bits in the opening 10 minutes and it it felt like this is how the game is uh, going to pan out but we had to wait a lot to get our to get our first goal and in between that time, uh, I feel like it's worth mentioning what uh, Alba Cete's plan was and what they were trying to do that caused us the problem. In the second game, the game, uh, in the second half, the game completely uh, unraveled. We'll get into that, what were the reasons for that. But until our first goal, at least, I think uh, Alba Cete did a very good job. So they're 3-4-1-2 as I uh, initially touched upon. It was a very aggressive setup, especially on our goal kicks. So on our goal kicks, what did the way we build is we have our two center backs splitting wide either side of our goalkeeper and we either pass it to one of our center backs and then it goes through a full back or a midfielder takes over and spreads it out. or And that is how we try to build from the back or we just play long. If nothing else is working, so what Albacete did was, since they had a four-one-two sort of four-one-two uh, shape in in their uh, in their defensive setup, what what it meant was the wingbacks would push really really high up. They were they would be very aggressive in their positioning. They would mark our, they would man mark our uh, our uh, respective fullbacks. So that's two players out uh, as passing options initially from the goal kicks. Then their front two of uh, Martinez and Roldan, I think number 17 and number 11, they would be marking the center backs on either side of the goalkeeper. Like they will be closely following each. So those two options are again out. Then the number 10 or the sort of, Create or link player playing behind these two forwards, which was uh, number nine, uh, Carla Bautista, she would be on one of our midfielders and the rest of the two midfielders in their 3-4-1-2 would pick up the other two midfielders. So that meant all of the immediate passing options on the pitch from goal kicks were taken out of the game. So it forced either for us to go long which would mean we would have to win the header or win the second ball and with the way Albacete were set up they always had close access to to the ball. So it was very likely that the second ball would be won by them and that is what happened a lot of times they were able to generate these turnovers from uh, these goal kick situations where everyone else was uh, marked 1v1 and we had to go long and search for uh, an aerial winning option and we did not do as well because a Melin's distribution isn't as uh, as good and plus we did not have many sort of players with the hold up play in, in our front line. We know Naikari isn't the sort of player to hold up play directly when the ball is played to her uh, long. Moller can do that, but we weren't able to distribute the ball properly towards her. Uh, with with Meline's inclination to using her uh, right foot, it always went towards the towards our right hand side, towards Lucius and Athena's side, and it was almost always turned over uh, using the touch line. So it was pretty pretty nice to see what they were trying to do. Obviously, this sort of aggressive approach did leave spaces in behind, uh, especially in the wide areas between the wide centre-back and the wing-back. Because as I mentioned, the wing-backs would push really high up to mark our full-backs. So that would leave spaces wherein if if a winger would drop in and receive the ball, they could turn and have enough space to carry the ball forward. And that is what Athenea managed to do a couple of times. But apart from that, I, I, I knew this this approach would fail eventually. Irrespective of what happened in the second half and how it all unraveled, I knew that this approach wasn't really sustainable. And at some point of time, uh, one of our players would take over and exploit that sort of space. But it was really, I would say, refreshing or it was really nice to see that they were approaching the game this way and they were trying to force an issue uh, with us on the ball uh, so that was really nice to see I feel I will now hand it over to you to take your thoughts on the initial sort of 30-32 uh, minutes until until the point of our uh, first goal and then we will take things from there discussing our goal and how that changed things for uh, Albacete. So, any thoughts you have for the opening 30 minutes? What did you think of team's overall play? What did you think of... If you have any thoughts on Albacete's play, if you have any thoughts on uh, our players, just take it away.
1: Um. Okay, yeah. So, I first want to start off with that uh, thing you mentioned. Like, they did leave us uh, space to, like, uh, from to go wide and to, um, and they actually left us a lot of space to shoot, um, around, like, the entrance of the box, especially, uh, like, there were quite a few, um, chances like that, like, I won't go into details, but, like, there were, like, I think two mighty long shots, she was really unlucky, I mean, one of, was off the bar, uh, but then, uh, we had, like, we even had Mila's chances, and I don't know. It's a, a lot of chances that were, um, we were unlucky, but they did leave us a lot of space. And um, our play, like, well, what I want to, <laughs> what what's very easy to notice is, like, um, on Atenea's side, uh, Atenea did her usual thing, you know, uh, trying to get the ball inside and uh, you know just crossing, or uh, if she doesn't cross, she I think she crossed like a couple of times, uh, and those crosses would usually end up in a failed clearance by Albacete, or she would go on to dribble inside. Um, this this game wasn't really full of Atenean's dribbles like. Uh, some notable ones which was really weird but she still uh did her usual thing anyway um and yeah it just that I noticed I noticed a lot of um commotion between uh, Lucia and and Athenia, actually uh but it's also. I I don't know. It's probably because Lucia hasn't played in a while. Um, I mean, she really hasn't. She just disappeared from the lineups totally for some reason. I don't understand. I I said it the last time that I don't understand it, but still, she did disappear. And, you know, Athenea has her own ideas. Um, Lucia... Well, she's trying to figure out Athenea. Uh, it's and actually before i'll just do this like introduction just before the first goal it's that uh i mentioned lucia because the first goal started from uh, lucia at the back with um Tere. so basically the action started with um, Tere and Lucia trying to clear the ball, like trying to ro- recover the ball in, on our side, like near our box. And ultimately, they somehow got it. I think like neither of them really pushed it. They just they pressed so much onto one player that they lost the ball and we got it. So, basically, that's how the action for the first goal started. And you can just take it away if you want.
0: Yeah, so... In the 32nd minute, we score our first goal. And... It isn't the like... It isn't like the prettiest goal or whatever. Because... It comes off from Olga taking a shot from just outside uh, the uh, just around the edge of the box. It slips past everyone like it's uh, it's not cleared properly. And Naikari is there at the far post to just poke it in. And that's how we take the lead and up until that point, uh, like I explained how they setup. On goal kicks was actually forcing an issue of upon us. They were when they were able to like generate those sort of turnovers. They were also able to exploit spaces uh, in behind. Like they they had their midfielders aggressively make runs in behind, and they would find uh, them with the help of their wing backs uh, acting as playmakers. So that was really uh, interesting, and it 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 begged the question that maybe they would uh, push us. Push us deep and try to like get something or put us under pressure and see how how well we cope with it. But as soon as this goal happened in the 32nd minute wasn't the prettiest but it helps calm some nerves. And I think beyond after this point it we started taking a lot of uh, we started dominating a bit more. Maite started getting herself into the game a lot more, we started seeing players take shots uh, a lot more uh, and they were good shots as well. So yeah, I mean, on the first goal, I don't have many like specific thoughts about how it all panned out because it was a, a long range speculative effort from Olga from the edge of the box. It just slipped past everyone. And Naikari was aware at at the far post to just be there and poke it away so yeah I mean uh, not really many sort of uh, concrete thoughts on on the goal and beyond that point I I would just like to continue and uh, discuss the second goal as well before handing it over to you because there wasn't much that happened in between that like like i mentioned the shot volume started increasing so in the 40 40th minute i think Molaire takes a shot from a similar spot from where olga took it for the first goal she manages to like she's trying to lob the keeper from the that, uh, that ring because the keeper is slightly out uh, out of a line uh, the keeper manages to just tip it over that was a uh, that was a good effort we started seeing a lot of uh a lot of work being done by naikari in terms of actually linking a play by playing those sort of layoffs and then we have our second goal in the 45th minute so what happens is uh, i think it's it's a it comes from a corner that's like half cleared then Naikari picks the ball up puts the cross in and Rocio is good in the air right like that she is one of our biggest weapons in terms of set piece threats because she's our main target probably her and uh, Kathleen I would say. Naikari finds Rocio completely unmarked in the box and that's goal number 2 so going into the second half now we have a two goal cushion which to be honest it probably puts albasete out of the game now and this also leads us on very nicely to a discussion about naikari's performance overall performance not just her goal scoring because she was involved in both the goals we scored in the uh, in the first half and then her involvement was also visible in in the second half and we'll get into that but let's ju- I, I'll I'll hand it over to you to take your thoughts on the first two goals and then if you want you can lead us into the discussion about Naikari's performance in this game uh, and overall impact in terms of how she performed on the pitch
1: You know you you, you said if if you want yeah I, I do <laughs> Anyway <laughs> yeah uh okay so Yeah, what I want to add about the first goal. So, yeah, I mentioned uh, that it came from the recovery from far back. Uh, So Lucia and Tere uh, take it. And then um, Tere Tere just uh, sends the ball to the middle, like just to clear it. And there there wasn't really anyone ready there, like not all uh, the set players, not uh, tower not players. And Naikari was pulled on the right wing, like she was waiting for uh, Tere to pass on the right wing because she was like there on the uh, right hand side, like at the right back, so she maybe expected it. And when Tere passed it to the middle, Naikari uh, saw that and ran there that she didn't get the ball. Uh, Albas, one Albacete player got the ball but Nekari kept uh, pressing uh, like she didn't let the ball uh, go back into our half and then they made like three back passes due to her uh, pressing then Mila joined her on the left uh, left wing pressing and then just when she joined <laughs> Maite joined as well And she managed to uh, push it away from uh, Albacete player uh, back to Mila, and then basically a lot of stuff happened. So uh, ultimately, it got to Olga who shot it, and it was it was a pinball. I call it a pinball because Olga managed to hit three Albacete defenders somehow. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how. It was such a clear pinball shot and then it ended up at naikari's foot like that's wild (laughs) i like i just mentioned before that maita had like two very pretty long shots um she barely hit the bar once uh, and that those didn't go in and then when now when I'm talking about long shots like uh yeah there was one of uh, Mila taking a shot and it's uh like ended up being saved. It was a fantastic save. Yeah, it was just under the bar. Uh and yeah, I was kinda mad at not go in. And it just none of none of these chances to, like ended up in the goal, like they were really um, maybe they, they were unlucky. I don't know. We we uh end up give, being unlucky along uh, a lot, like a lot. There was also a Terra shot, um, uh, that was like right outside the box. It was just go, they were just wide, and and that goal goes in. <laughs> that goal goes in. Um, so yeah, and I also want to add one of the one interesting. Uh, action that was, I think, sent I don't know, probably Lucia it was sent from uh, our right back, it was probably Lucia or Tere there I don't know who was but uh, it was sent to Naikari who was on the right wing then and Mila was running in the center Tere, oh yeah, it wasn't Tere then it. So Tere was running uh, uh, right behind Mila. Uh, so basically that's those three going along in the attack. It's like a counter-attack. And Nekari makes a cross. I I did not know who made that cross at the time. But Nekari makes a cross straight to Mila who was pretty much open there. There was like one defender in front of Mila. Uh, but not really that close, so she would um, be able to take it away. So Mila uh, receives it. She managed just to control it with her chest. And then uh, somehow, uh, I don't know, the ball probably didn't end up uh, on her foot uh, the way she wanted to, so she missed. It was a position where she would usually probably, you know, score something happened there probably didn't receive it on her foot um well but yeah just unlucky mila there but yeah i i liked the cross (laughs) The, the cross was immaculate by naikari i did not know that she would do that or that that was her at the time and then a minute later the goal happened the second goal which was like Yeah, it was like a corner for Tere, and it was a field clearance, but then it went to, I think, I think Lucia. Like she was almost at the halfway line and she sent it back to the box. So um, that was good. (laughs) Kudos (laughs) to immediately sending it in Uh, because she she manages to hit Naikari's head, who kind of um, pushes back because she couldn't really um, turn around to shoot it in or anything. And then she hits her defender. Defender um, the uh, that ball that bounces off the defender and Naikari uh, runs it to get it again. And passes it to Freya. Freya was right on the line of the Box passes it straight in front to Rocio, and she can't really do anything there. She passed to, to her uh, feet and she just pushed it to the side to Nakari, where she uh, made a pass to Rocio's head and Rocio would. So, yeah, that, that was uh, that was interesting, honestly. I saw that goal a few times because. <laughs> This will not surprise anyone listening to this. Because Naikari was involved in that thing a lot. <laughs> like, wild. I think that was the longest time the ball has been in our box without, you know, losing the possession and ultimately ending up in the goal. So that that was pretty cool to see. And, yeah, I mean so what what i said in the beginning like um i when seeing this lineup i uh i immediately saw that not that the players won't really be able to connect uh like in the attack especially uh like atenea isn't really aware of when to pass to the striker no matter who uh then uh like olga would be sending crosses inside Mila hasn't played in a while uh, so maybe like out of all the whole lineup maybe only Maite would be able to uh, connect and it's with Naikari and yeah actually we did, did miss one thing she made a long pass to Naikari's head which ended up on target uh, I had her attempt not many problems for the goalkeeper, keeper but still. <laughs> Um, and I mean, the, the, these things that you, that Naikari is usually good at, like moving the ball, the action is, uh, more obvious in the second half, <laughs> um, probably due to this, you know, factor of the lineup. Uh, she, she isn't a starter either, but, um players like Maite or uh, later uh, Weir understand her, so, yeah. Uh, like, players who are more involved in the attack, maybe want the ball more, I don't know. But, yeah, it's... I mean, she, when when she gets the ball, she would just shoot it to the front, they somehow push it to the front. Mila pushed it once from her, uh, from like the middle of the um, middle of the pitch to Naikari, who was um, on the center, and try like she had problems with controlling it because it was an aerial duel with another player. But she received it on her head and managed to push it uh, by her head to um, Olga, like in the front immediately she didn't try to control it to her feet or anything just get the ball out and that's usually what she does like she's not a fast player maybe she's one of our slowest players we have and she's a striker like she's number nine so uh it's not usually what you would expect uh but she she, when she plays the ball does move fast like not necessarily with her but the ball goes and continues going and just never stops in one place so and yeah i i cannot emphasize enough that one cross to mila like yeah i i liked it so i i don't know just i'll hand it over to you because um because yeah um I think this is the smarter thing to do. So so just take it away.
0: Yeah. So I was expecting you to go pretty elaborate on on that and you didn't disappoint. But yeah, uh, I think that performance deserves a discussion about Naikari's overall skill set because what Naikari brings to the table is different From what Esther offers. And she does things in a way that is distinctly. uh, You know distinctly different in in the way. The same things are achieved by Esther. Because Esther likes to get on the ball uh, a lot more. She likes to keep hold of the ball. Whereas with Naikari it's her sharp movements and. That slight layoff that she does, she wouldn't hold on to ball, she wouldn't like dribble past players, she wouldn't uh, beat multiple challenges. But what she would do is she would show for the ball, she would quickly find an outlet, and she would immediately turn and attack the space that has been vacated by somebody trying to closely follow her. And that has been her strength ever since her. Real Sociedad days because those sharp quick movements is what made her the sort of goal scorer that she is. In terms of link up you can't be like oh Naikari is the best link up uh, player in in the world because she is not but what she does subtly by uh, showing up for the ball and bringing players in quickly with, with an exchange that's really that was really at show in this game i feel it really encapsulated naikari a, as a player because she she will drift while she will offer for the ball but she would do it in a way that is different than what than how esther performs the same actions and the way esther uses the ball when she gets it so it was really nice and uh yeah uh, about her drifting out wide to receive the ball and then putting the crosses in she did that uh, multiple times she would uh, drift out wide to receive that particular cross that you are talking to uh, to Moler Anson was really really nice like very well weighted very well timed and it should have probably been a goal but it was tough uh, bringing the ball down on your chest and then going at it uh, on the half volley so it's understandable she didn't manage to get it off very well but uh, yeah i feel i feel this performance really underlined what naikari can bring to the overall game when used in the in the correct way because the way she attacks the space, the way she is able, she is not like the fastest player around. She is not like, uh, like I mentioned, she, where she excels at is those quick and sharp movements. She is very clever in identifying her movements and exploiting that space in behind with that initial burst of acceleration that she has. So it was really, I feel it was really enjoyable to watch this performance. Yes there are caveats around this performance, yes we don't know whether this would translate into her getting more significant minutes in in the bigger games. But it it was a clear show of what we have on the bench and how we can actually try to pose a different question to our opposition the next time we play them. If we need a plan B, we do have a plan B. Because you know, in our squad we have players who can create from open play, right? We have Weir, we have Maite, we have we have Zornosa who can do that. We also have Tere who is capable of doing that, who has good vision. Then apart from that, we have Athenea who can attack the byline and play a pullback or you know, create in her own way. So we have chance creators at times to add somebody with those sharp and quick movements up front it could actually it could actually throw a spanner in the works of teams who have prepared for a striker who will likely uh, you know try to get the ball try to be on the ball a lot more instead of a direct in behind and quick layoff quick exchanges sort of striker so it's something that we have been discussing for a long while on this pod it's almost like every pod we have to discuss what naikari needs to do more uh, to get into the lineup and the answer is she doesn't need to do anything more she offers a different dimension to the attack she offers brings different elements to the attack And I think those need to be understood and maximized in, in the best way possible to help the team. And yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up for the differences between Naikari and Esther and what they both bring to the team and how differently they bring the same thing on the pitch how differently they execute those same things so yeah i mean it i'm pretty sure this discussion is going to resurface again or it will there will be the same discussion rehash at some point of time uh, in the future again but i think uh, it's a good point to now like move on to the second half because there wasn't much that happened in the first half We d- we have discussed the second goal as well So we went into the second half with a two goal lead, right? So what I was expecting is now the game probably looks like, like we were, we looked much better since our first goal. I was like, now is the time to probably like rotate further and just bring on the kids, bring on Paula Partido, bring on Carla Camacho, let them have the minutes rest the players that don't need to be on the pitch and essentially and just and by essentially I mean like Atenea. Atenea could have been rested much before Paula Partido could have gotten more minutes but yeah n- not getting into that like immediately we begin the second half with two substitutions we bring on Carla Camacho Moler goes off we bring on Zornosa for Freya. So before we get into discussion about the second half, I think it's also worth mentioning Mol, uh, talking about Moler's performance because she did well on, on the left flank. Now again, I have been pretty I have been pretty vocal about uh Moler's best role being in, in a sort of front two. And I still think that is true, despite this performance on, on the left wing, because a lot of a lot of what she was doing was drifting inside as well. So she was operating from those sort of half spaces. And I think one of the key detriments against her uh, in terms of Toril is that Toril likes to have his wingers be wide. Like... That is how we have naturally played a lot of times. And I think we saw some very good moments with her on the ball. There were those neat little shoulder drops that would completely, uh, completely beat the player. There were those skillful inside of the foot touches, skillful uh, sort of back heels, uh, sort of flicks. We saw all of that and I think Moller is, is a good player. She could be very serviceable when used correctly. In this game I think her physical level, her technical level was above the players that she was coming up against. It's taking nothing away from, from Moller's performance by any means, I don't mean to do that but the way she was able to accelerate past players the way she was able to uh make the defenders look silly w- with her shoulder drops i think it was pretty clear that there was a uh, a gap in the technical level between between the players and and that's fine like that's that's to be expected and that's to be uh, that was expected before the game began even so I, i'm not worried about that but uh I think using this as a case for uh, Moller to be starting on the left flank is would be a bit of a reach because what we saw still in terms of her actions, a lot of her actions came from those half spaces to central areas and I think that is that is actually her best position because whenever… In terms of dribbles as well, uh, like there were moments, yes, there were really, really good moments, but there were moments where she ran, directly ran into trouble because her dribbling style is very different from, let's say, Athenea's dribbling uh, dribbling style or like players have different varied style uh, in the way they like to beat the player. They could go on the outside, they could go on the inside, they could do multiple sorts of things, uh, like let's not get into the a discussion about va- various styles of dribbling but there's clearly a difference between the way Moller likes to take on her players with the way let's say Atenea uh, likes to do it and in the way they'd like to target the zones when they beat their players is also different. So at the moment I still feel like Moller's best position comes centrally uh, in as a part of a tour where she's allowed that sort of freedom to go inside with with an uh, overlapping fullback probably, but not as an out-and-out winger. But this performance was really, really good from her. She was doing pretty well and I was hoping maybe she could have played more minutes. Uh, I don't see why like Carla would have to come on for Muller, but yeah, I mean, like whatever. Not complaining that Carla is getting more minutes. Uh, Some minutes under her belt as well, so... Let's get into the discussion of the second half, and this is where I I kept I kept mentioning that things completely unraveled in the second half. They went they instantly went south for Albacete because in the forty eighth minute, Carla Bautista is shown her second yellow card of the game for a reckless challenge on Olga and it was a bad challenge no no complaining there it was a reckless challenge Uh, studs high up and Albacete were reduced to 10 in the 48th minute itself so then they had to go through the entire 40 42 minutes with added time or whatever on 10 players and Having already been two up, given how they were approaching the game, how aggressive they were, this was a complete shift in the way they were trying to play. And that really showed uh, in, in the performance. The initial three, four, one, two sort of setup that that changed now. Now it was more of a five, three, one sort of setup and they were trying to like defend now but there was always a player advantage for us and we were able to create numerical superiorities with ease moving forwards. and this is where like the game now looking into the game now and in the sense of what we did uh, tactically would be like would be reaching out for conclusions that are not clearly there because a like we have mentioned multiple times now the the gap in the technical quality and the physical level of the teams was going to be apparent at some point of time and it was apparent in flashes in the first half but as the game wore down it would have been even more apparent because we could have brought on players uh, of a h- higher caliber from the bench than alba Sethi could that was one factor but now on top of that Alvasete were at a player disadvantage as well so it was pretty easy for us to then uh, try to exploit that in the I think beyond this we managed to get a flurry of shots especially like after the 75th sort of minutes but before we get into that, we have something like really uh, quote-unquote drama that panned out in, in the 64th minute. So before that, uh, I have a couple of actions on my note. So I'll just quickly go through them. In the 61st minute, Athenea once again goes on a run uh, of her own with, with the carry on the right-hand side. And then in the in the 62nd minute, we actually win a penalty which comes it's it's really interesting. It comes off uh from I think it's a corner, it's put in. Rocio gets a very good header on, on the ball and it's saved really really well by the goalkeeper. She gets down really quickly and parries it away. Naikari is quick to uh reach the reach the ball and then she twists and turns and draws the foul, which gives us the penalty. Now, this is where things start to happen. Naikari uh, decides that she is going to take the penalty. She sets the ball up. She's all set to put Real Madrid 3-3-0 three, three up. She takes the penalty. It's saved. The save is parried into the box. Athenia is making the run to the ball. She takes the shot. The second effort is saved as well. And then, in a bit to clear, in a bit to clear the ball, Albacete's number 12, Munoz, kicks the ball into her own net. And the reason I say this uh, as drama is because immediately after that goal happened, you could see that the goalkeeper was really pissed at her own player because she made a double save like those were two very good saves like the penalty uh, save was good but to then immediately uh, reposition and save the second shot as well was really impressive and she had managed to just get it out but in in a bit to clear the ball Munoz ends up kicking the ball in her own net unfortunate but yeah a lot happened in those one two minutes And Real Madrid were 3-0 up there. And before we go any further uh, discussing the subs that happened following this and discussing uh, the next three goals, I would like to hand it over to you to take your thoughts uh, on the second half in general about the subs. How do do you think those were necessary or did it make sense for you? And what did you think about how the game panned out between Albacete receiving their red card and our third goal? Uh,
1: Yeah, well, it was very apparent uh, that uh, they were left with 10. Uh, But to be honest, I actually forgot they had 10 on pitch because um, I I remembered only when they showed the highlights of the game and then they showed the tackle and the red card and said, Oh right, they had one player less. And that this explains a lot. <laughs> like um yeah weird real- realization I know, right? Uh but yeah there was definitely a lot of shots taken <laughs> in the um I it just I, I, everyone kinda took a shot. <laughs> it just uh you know received carry receiving a ball and turning, shooting it uh, not very well. It was over. Uh, Sonosa shooting that one, which was pretty weak and kind off sides as well. Uh, then Rosia, uh, Rosia was really on fire. Like she was like terrace corners, and Rosia being positioned right at the goal. Um, great stuff honestly I think um, I think that Rocio was right at the goal like maybe not even a meter away from the goal uh, in those like there, there were two instances where Terra would take the um, corner and Rocio was positioned there and Te- Tera takes them like very close to the goal like she manages to curve that ball and yeah they were like A couple of saves from the goalkeeper. That's actually how uh, the penalty happened. It's from one of those exact instances. Uh, Rocio's uh, header was saved or it was uh, post. I'm not sure what happened there. It was a huge commotion uh, before the ball escapes to Naikari or the foul. But yeah, Mm -hmm. basically... um, that, that that's something very interesting that I noticed and I'm pretty sure that they uh they've been practicing a lot uh, especially with uh Tara trying to curve that ball in. um who knows maybe she manages an olympic goal one day because I noticed her taking corners the previous game that like two corners were really close to becoming an o- an olympic goal so i mean Knows maybe one day in the future, maybe one day very soon. I hope it happens. She deserves it at this point. (laughs) Um, then we like see a couple of Takanasos as well. Um, Naikari, by the way, in 58th minute, and I failed to mention uh, a Maite's Takanasu in the first half, just so just for the record, uh, 42nd minute, it was to. Mila on the right, uh, on the left wing. Just so you know, I forgot to where that, so you 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 should watch it. And yeah, I mean, the the penalty is the weirdest thing ever. Um, I mean, I, I am I really wouldn't want to be in that goalkeeper's skin because you know the, the ball was shot in and everyone was confused, but only the goalkeeper was pissed. I mean, and the, and the Herrero, who shot it inside, was obviously ashamed. So, those were the only two reactions that, you know, weren't just confusion. Everyone else, like the other 19 players on the pitch, were confused. Like, our players weren't even celebrating, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, 3-0, wow, great. Uh, Albacete was just, like, done with it and the goalkeeper was about to murder her own player, so you know it really be do be your own, you know it just I, I don't know, it, you did say it well, it was drama because who would have thought that that penalty would have taken three shots and that it would end up in an own goal. so it, yeah, certainly what 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 a game what a game, so yeah. Take
0: it away. Yeah. So beyond this, I think the one major point of discussion is. So this happens. A sort of dramatic quote unquote dramatic goal. In the 69th minute. We make a double substitution. We bring on where. And Partido to replace Maite and Athenea. Now Athenea going off makes sense. She is just coming off of injury. And her minutes needs to be managed because we have some pretty big games coming up. And we have uh, we need her to be there, to be the difference maker. Maite has been a sort of mainstay off the bench and she she getting her getting the rest. Makes sense as well. What doesn't make sense for me is we are 3 0 up against Albacete. The game is almost done. Albacete are down to 10. I don't think there is a chance of them making a, a sort of comeback from that point on. So I was like, was Caroline Ware really necessary? Because let's. Uh, Let's be real, like Caroline Weir is probably one of the first names on the team sheet, right? In every single game. She plays every single game <clears throat> that we play. She is the difference maker in almost every single game she plays. And if we get further into this game, she comes on and in the 20 minutes, she picks up three assists. Which, yeah, I mean, there's a caveat that we had a player advantage over them. But still, like, when the way she was operating, the way she was gliding with the ball, the way she was sliding in between the lines, receiving, turning, carrying the ball while fending off off challenges, playing the pullback, and finding players on the run or in the box, it clearly showed, like, it... Like she was operating at another level in terms of whatever was happening on the pitch. Like it was clearly a mismatch at that point of time, especially with where it was a mismatch before as well, but with where it was just ridiculous to see the difference. And let's just get into all three sort of goals beyond this point and get through them and get to the other major uh, points of discussion, I feel. So in the 78th minute, we score our 4th goal, Rocio has her brace and this one again comes from a corner taken short, Weir puts the cross in and Rocio is completely unmarked in the box, nobody is picking her up, she has all the time in the world, she puts the ball away, Real Madrid 4, Albacete 0 then we make a sub in the 79th minute we bring on suava for olga olga gets to play 80 minutes goes off fine in the 82nd minute it's again we're picking up the ball fending off some challenges uh sorry it's i think it's naikari picking up the ball on the right then she moves uh inside the box and plays a cutback Weir receives it, Weir further drives towards the byline and plays a pullback which Zornosa attacks from outside the box with a run and scores. That's Real Madrid 5, Albacete nil. In the 86th minute again, Caroline Weir once again picks up the ball, fends off challenges, moves into the box, plays the ball across and uh, it's, it's, it's actually it's Paula Partido picking up the ball. She plays a neat little exchange with Caroline Weir. I'm sorry, uh, she she plays a ball through in behind for Caroline Weir, and then continues her run inside the box. Weir is good enough to spot her, spot that run. She pulls the back, uh, she pulls the ball back, and Paula Parthi toe pokes it and it goes past the goalkeeper, and that's six for Real Madrid and nil for Albacete. And in those three goals that were scored after Caroline Weir came on, she was involved in all three of those, creating all three of those. So in 20 minutes, she picked up three assists to her name. (laughs) I don't know. It was a ridiculous, uh, it's a ridiculous thing to say. It was clearly a mismatch at that point. Like she was just toying around with players. Nobody could touch her on the, on the pitch she want, she could do whatever she wanted to do uh, with, with the ball. And it was pretty evident uh, what she was doing. But yeah, I mean, in terms of anything like specific happening, I don't have much to add on either of the goals because it was A, like once they went down to 10, it was always going to be a bit easier on us. And with us <laughs> trying to completely like, kill them by bringing on caroline where it it almost felt like it was unfair to bring on caroline where at that point when we are 3 0 up and uh with a player advantage as well so yeah i mean i'll hand it over to you to take any of your thoughts uh, on any of these goals or any other actions i know naikari hit uh, hit the crossbar from a header i think uh, in the closing minutes So, yeah, any other thing that you want to add or any other specific thoughts that you have on the goal, now is the time to add it.
1: Yeah. um, You know, I just remembered about Sonosa's goal. Um, It was very interesting in the broadcast because uh, they confused Sonosa with Carla. So, they just put goal Carla Camacho and i think everyone was confused like even the commentators were confused they were screaming goal sonosa but then they showed um camacho so they waited oh, okay let's see the replay and say oh yeah it's definitely sonosa um so b- basically it's because probably i don't know um from the angle that we saw the like the live angle it was like, immediately as Naikari passes it to Weir, it switches to the angle inside the box, and it's, like, Weir um, making a side pass, uh, a side back pass, which which I think was meant for Kara, but she, like, slipped, uh, I think she slipped uh, trying to get it, because she uh, had to pull back a bit, like, two or three steps back to get it but she slipped uh meanwhile and the ball passed to sonosa who was right there and you know who shot it in um and i mean they probably mistook that or i don't know <laughs> also they might have uh seen that uh maybe it the bow deflected of Carla once Sonosa shot it in. I don't know, but yeah, anyway, that there was something um funny that happened in the broadcast itself. Um, and Paola's goal, I mean, I think I think she shot it through uh the defenders' um, through defenders' legs like oh, what what a not to make a goal, honestly. Um, and it's her first Copa del Reina goal, her second for Real Madrid, and I mean, it's in a really short, you know, span. Uh, you know, she scored against Vlasnia in the last match of 2022, so it was like literally two games ago. And you know, the she's been on a roll. Also, Carla as well. Uh, she she had some, she had one header attempt. I don't know who it came from. Um, I think we are past it it was in 74th minute and carla was well it was it was a pretty wild attempt honestly because um carla was pretty uh, far away from the goal maybe like it was definitely more than 11 meters uh but yeah it, it went just wide and, uh, on the far post and honestly good attempt <laughs> Um, also, you know, Cara trying to get that ball, but uh, slipping as well. Um, she also had some good, like, random moments as well. Like, I remember her first touch, or maybe her one of her first touches, but her notable first touch like, was, like, two minutes into the first half. Uh, the second half, sorry. <laughs> um, she made a fantastic recovery against two Albacete players. Uh, in their own half, um, and she immediately pushed it to Sonosa, but you know, Sonosa quickly um, loses the ball. But you know, besides the point, I love that, uh, those little bits and pieces from Carla as well. Um, and yeah, okay, so you mentioned, yeah, we're wasn't okay, we're really wasn't uh necessary, you know. In terms of, um, you know, we didn't really need her to turn anything around because we were already obviously free no up and everything. But we did see some interesting stuff, you know, aside from the free assist she did, um, which is pretty wild, you know, free assist in 20 minutes after getting subbed on, wild. But I really, like, I really enjoyed... Um, uh, her combinations with Naikari and her being comfortable, like, th- those two being comfortable with each other. Naikari do- putting, uh, pulling off two takwanasas with weird, um, you know, it just se- seemed all normal, like, an everyday thing, like, we see it every day, but we don't really see it every day, you know? We already said it. <laughs> um, and you know, Naikari even could have had, like, maybe one more, one more assist with Weir as well her Weir's shot got ended up wide also another one of the Weir's shots uh which yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the thing it went from Carla, yeah, it was saved and went to the post, which was pretty you know, I was pretty annoyed um I mean. You wouldn't expect me to be annoyed that we were like three or four nil up. I don't remember the result back then, but well, yeah, four I think now. Yeah, uh, I-, I was thinking like, why, why would you, why would you save that one? You know, it was a pretty long shot, and I I just realized that none of the goals, like none of the goals, none of the shots that were from 11 meters or up, went in, like zero. And there were some really good shots. And yeah, you mentioned that Tenekari header, uh, which was kind of from an angle and hit the bar. Uh, it wasn't 11 meters, but still it was pretty long. Uh, but all these like long shots never got in. It was either A bit wide or the goalkeeper did an amazing job saving them or i don't know some things happened or you know the penalty that's 11 meters or more obviously it's just a wild game but you know we had some pretty cool um pretty cool goals like in terms of um gameplay like you know um from Years cross um to Rocio, and you know that combination from Sornosa in the middle to Weir and Weir to Naikari, Naikari back to Weir to uh to get it to Sornosa. It was like pretty fast goal, like you know, that, that goal in particular was basically out of nothing. So uh I mean we weir, weir brings that to the team. Obviously we don't really have to discuss it, <laughs> discuss it because um it's obvious and we've been saying it anyway uh and yeah she wasn't really necessary uh but i think it was really cool to see we um you know how we're is comfortable I don't know with naikari and how um how she understood with paula as well because paula got uh, the ball a lot Especially from Sonosa, by the way. Like Sonosa passed to her a lot. And we and Paula also connected well and which I loved. So yeah, you know a lot of pretty things in the second half. Um you can't really draw much from it because, you know, one player more and we were already um two nil up from the halftime and everything, so But yeah, it was pretty enjoyable and yeah. That's it.
0: Yeah, I feel this was a good sort of a refreshing game, I would say. Given how a lot of the times in the previous game we've been complaining about how we are playing on the pitch, how things are being on the pitch, the substitutions, the everything it was it was a welcome change. I feel now it's been two games uh, of 2023. We have won both. There are some big games coming up, so it's good to get some sort of positive momentum behind us now, and hopefully it translates to better performances on the pitch when we when we field our preferred eleven when we or or positive changes in terms of how we utilize our squad so it would be it's something to keep an eye on i think that pretty much sums it up for for the game unless you have something else to to add about any individual performances from either uh, real madrid or albacete do you have anything to add kanita
1: well, not really. I just want to give kudos to the goalkeeper. She was pissed the whole time, but she did a very uh, good job. Uh, actually, fantastic job on some things. Uh, so, I mean, kudos to her, even though, um, you know, it's not really obvious um, when you look at the result. But still, um, especially kudos to her own nerves. And
0: Yeah, so actually, I would like to highlight one or two players from Albacete. I think the number six did some really good uh work as a part of like their three, four, one, two scheme as a part of one of their midfielders. She was pretty, pretty good. She made some really good runs in behind the back line as well. She was pretty active in the way she covered the space in midfield. So it was a nice performance, I think. So if you're following Albacete you could probably pay attention to her the goalkeeper yes she had some good moments made some really good saves the penalty save the double save on the penalty was really really nice and yeah I think that pretty much concludes it up for the game at hand and I think we need to uh, (laughs) we need to address the sort of controversy or the sort of noise that is going around surrounding Copa de la Reina at the moment. So Barcelona in the game against Osasuna in the Copa de la Reina, which they won 9-0 by the way, they actually fielded an ineligible player in Jaise, JC had been sent off in her previous game with Madrid CFF before she joined Barcelona this season. So she was ineligible to play in that game. Barcelona fielded her and now Osasuna have I think filed a complaint against this and they want Barcelona to be disqualified. Barcelona have obviously appealed this and we are waiting any sort of conclusion on this matter. But I think that is potentially a very big news because if Barcelona are out of the competition Levante are already out they lost to uh, they lost to Alhama i think 5-3 then real sociedad are also out i think if barcelona is ruled to be disqualified this opens up a very good chance for us to try and get our first trophy in in our history and that would be That would be a really, really big thing. Because, you know, winning a domestic trophy with Barcelona being what they are and with the sort of luck that we have been dealt with because anytime Barcelona and Real Madrid are in a competition, we generally face each other way before reaching the finals. So like in the Super Cup now, it's Real Madrid versus Barcelona, uh, which is on, I think, 19th of January again. So every time we are in a draw with Barcelona, it's it's likely that we are going to draw them. So it would potentially open up a very big door for us to, you know, there will be that Copa de la Arena trophy in sights and we would potentially favor ourselves to, Try and get that trophy and it would be a massive moment if that happens, but we'll have to wait for the ruling of the court about what it, uh, if they are disqualified or not. Sometimes these matters can be tricky and teams can get away with it. So we'll have to see, we'll keep you updated about what the status is on that in the next pod. Probably we'll know the confirmed status about it, but yeah, it's something it's, it's a big news to keep an eye on. Moving forwards, and yeah I think that should probably be it do you have anything else to add Kanita now would be the time
1: yeah okay so there's one more thing about that uh, Sevilla did the same uh, so they played an electri- electri- eligible player <laughs> and basically uh, they they won against Villarreal and Villarreal filed the complaint as well uh, basically, Assassina and Villarreal are pretty much um, obligated to do it, uh, because both the refs uh, and the opposition knew of those irregularities in the lineups of you know, Barcelona and Sevilla. Uh, but you know, since they already put it up, you can't really say, oh, you have an uneligible player in your line- lineup, so you can't really play them, because they already did that. Uh So basically, they had to do it, they filed a complaint and now the process is, you know, the process took off. And, I mean, why I'm mentioning Sevilla, uh, it's not just because no one mentions them. Uh, You know, uh, it's not as big as Barcelona getting eliminated, obviously. Uh, But it's because there's a factor that... um, you know there Sevilla and Barcelona are in pretty much the same um situation here because they both said oh the players uh, sanctions weren't on the website so they just played those players uh but it wasn't really on the RFEF uh, page it was on the Phoenix page uh and it's basically it's ba- it basically rules out what they said uh, the sanctions are there they uh, they're here from the last season. They um, were carried on. Uh, they, uh, whatever the coaches might say, it's it's like that. And, you know, they're in the same situation. So both clubs should be getting the same treatment. And I don't know, it will be interesting to see how it unveils. Yeah, uh, that would be it, I guess.
0: All right. So that concludes our podcast on real madrid's 27th game of the season real madrid are into the quarterfinals of copa de la Arena now we await that decision we await the draw to find our next opponents and we will be back to discuss real madrid's next game which is pretty soon i think it's on 15th So by the time you're hearing this, it's probably likely that we will soon be playing our next game. Our squad list for the next game will be out. So we'll be back for that. We'll break down the game for you guys as usual. And until then, Ala Madrid!
1: Ala Madrid!